This is Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. Every week, we review an episode of the cult classic time travel series and decide whether it holds up to present day viewing. And hopefully, we'll entertain you along the way. Be sure to check us out on our website, fwwquantumleappod.com, and also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Fate's Wide Wheel. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome back. Here we are. Uh, we are, you know, really in that countdown to the finish line. Home stretch. Uh, home stretch. This is the um, fourth to the last episode of our beloved Quantum Leap, um, The Beast Within. And, uh, you know, I think we've got, we've got some feelings. We've got some things to, to talk about. We've got about. some feelings. We've got some things to say. We're in the home stretch. It's... Uh, uh, kind of, you know, we we got five episodes left. It, it kind of be really worth pointing out that at the time that when this episode aired, they were in the midst of filming the final episode. Because immediately after this episode aired, originally there was a, a promo, and it showed uh, Scott and Dean standing in front of Al's place from the final episode. So. Just interesting to think about that when, as fans were watching the show when it originally aired, um, the cast was filming the final thing. Right. Which at the time they would not have known necessarily was the final episode. Uh, From what I've read uh, in Matt's book, Matt's book, The Beyond the Mirror Image, um, I kind of get the sense that by the time they got to the end of shooting the final episode, there was a sense of foreboding on the set that... sure. Like well, like when they sh- when they did the rap party, there was the real sense that this was like it that it was right. over with. So uh, they didn't know for sure, but there was a pretty strong sense that the, the writing was on the wall. Right, 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 right. Yeah, but I mean, but yeah, obviously they weren't you know one hundred percent. Otherwise, they would not have shot the potential alternate ending, oh, which is now we'll the alternate ending. Yes. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it, you know, it's interesting to think, too, that it, just as a viewer of, of, of the show, um, this was an episode that I, I did not catch the full uh, episode the first time that it aired. Um, I do remember watching the tail end of it, um, because obviously I remember the, the final moments, uh, and I remember the leap out. I remember the leap out pretty, pretty specifically. Um, just because it was something that was very different, um, which we'll get to later. But uh, but I did not see this one first run, and, and when I've returned to it since, I, I you know my memories of it were still pretty murky. Um, I didn't have a strong recollection of the entirety of the episode, and I realize now why after having reviewed it. Um, but uh, yeah, what about you, Dennis? Do you remember the first time you saw it? I do. I remember, uh, we, we talked about last episode, um, me being kind of excited because I thought maybe Sam did actually leap into Bigfoot right. at the end of the prior right. episode. Like maybe that was just their bad Bigfoot costume. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think I may have gone into the first viewing thinking that he was going to be Bigfoot and being a little disappointed by it. I remember, <laughs> uh, telling a classmate about, 
the upcoming episode. Very excited about it. I don't think he had any interest in the show at all. I think he was just humoring the nerd. And, uh, sure. and I remember our teacher, our math teacher, Mrs. Goodley, jumping on us for, for talking during class. So much so that this afternoon I went and I, uh, I looked up Miss Goodley on Facebook. Um, and she still, she still lives in the area. Uh, she kind of sticks out of my mind because um, in, in my school, she, she definitely stood out because she was a younger, just out of college, mm. extremely attractive woman. Uh, okay. Which was in contrast to to most of the typical school teachers that we had in my sure, hometown. Sure. So uh, yes, as a middle school boy, yes, uh, she was the conversation of much. She was the topic of much conversation among classmates and such. Yeah, uh, but yeah, well, should I, she I, ever stumble upon this podcast? Should I she ever? I don't be know. Delighted to hear that. I don't know. Oh, I'm sure she knew. Um, and now she's one of those, she's still a teacher, I think. Uh, and she's one of those people on Facebook finding a picture of her is very hard. It's just scattered with all of her kids, mm-hmm, you know, like mm-hmm. profile picture, kids, 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 sure. kids. Every once in a while you see like one photo of her in the background, but yeah. Um, but then the actual details, I think after I realized it wasn't Sam hadn't leapt into Bigfoot, I was just kind of bored with the episode. Mm, and I think mm, that's, that's fair. fair because I think as a kid, um, there wasn't much in this episode for me. Uh, yeah, I can understand that. And I can, and I can agree with that. And it's, it, it is interesting to think that in some ways, the gimmick episodes of season five definitely stood out more in my memory in spite of now coming back to some of the other episodes, uh, certainly having stronger feelings. Um, although, you know, I will say that the interesting thing about that is, is that an episode like Nowhere to Run, which, you know, obviously shares the, the, the Vietnam, you know, after effects um, on soldiers uh, sort of plot line, the uh, uh, Nowhere to Run, I do remember quite vividly from when I was younger. And uh, I remember liking it even then. In spite of the fact that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like an action episode. It wasn't a gimmicky episode. It wasn't, you know, that that that, that it really was more just TV drama. Um, but I think that one of the things about being a young viewer of Quantum Leap is that you almost were, you were trained in a way to appreciate that element of the show, the television drama element of the show. Um, and, and, and of course, once we did start getting some of these sci-fi gimmicky episodes, you know, episodes like Shock Theater and, and The Leap Home and, and the bulk of season five do kind of stick out in a way just because they were different. Um, which I think, oddly enough, I remarked to you, I texted you as I was watching the episode, that in a way, this episode feels like a throwback to season three. And yet that almost makes it feel fresh because it's been so long since we had an episode like this, um, with, with some exceptions, obviously. Sure. And I think, yeah, um, this episode is very creative. They, I, I like the, the note I took as I was watching it this afternoon is that, uh, any episode revolving around Vietnam that was so in the show's wheelhouse, because one, it was so yes. fresh in everybody's memory uh, Don Belisario definitely had a connection to it. Uh, the writer of this episode, episode John D'Aquino, he had a connection with Vietnam, not that he had been there because he'd been too young, but he knew a lot of people who had come back from Vietnam. So this was very much in the wheelhouse. And also, I think 
this is the only instance where we get a really lengthy flashback scene. Yeah. In any episode. Like sometimes we get like like real quick like fever dream montage kind of flashes back, but this is like an extended scene in the middle of well, the episode. And I, and I think the thing that's remarkable about it um, and we'll talk a little bit more about it later is the fact that it is not from like in trilogy, we have some flashbacks that are from the point of view of a character that Sam is speaking to, you know, uh, in leap for Lisa, we get flashbacks from the point of view of, a, you know, of a character, but this is not that at all. This is a, you know, flashback that is, it has nothing to do. It's, it's, it's literally Sam reading, you know, Henry's journal and and constructing it, um, and it's it really works quite well, I, I think. Um, but let's yeah let's uh, let's let's get let's get right down to business here. Uh, we are of course here today to talk about the Beast Within, directed by Gus Traconis. Uh, Gus is an interesting um, character as far as uh, you know Quantum Leap directors go. Uh, he had a, a career as an actor in the '60s. Um, Smaller parts for the most part, but it was in some, you know, fairly big uh, uh, films uh, like West Side Story, um, The Sand Pebbles, um, St. Valentine's Day Massacre, to name a few. And then he went on to direct quite a bit, Uh, directed some very interesting films uh, in the 70s, um, including a movie called Supercock, which is not at all what you think it would be about. It's the premise of this film is an American cowboy in the Philippines gets mixed up in cockfighting. And I'll tell you what, I'll be damned if I don't want to see this movie just because it sounds absurd. Um, uh, remind me, just a quick tangent. Remind me, uh, I'll save this for the end of the episode, but remind me to ask you to Google something. Yes. At the, at the right. end of this episode. It's a meme that I stumbled across on TikTok. Um, but we'll save it towards the end because I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent this early on. Uh, he would also direct the television movie Elvis and the Beauty Queen, which is probably the most notorious of all Elvis films. Uh, if only to start with the fact that it starred Don Johnson as Elvis Presley. Yes, that Don Johnson. Oh, Don uh, Johnson. Who made an interesting Elvis, to say the least. Um, oh, God, he, God, why? Oh, why? I know, right? Right? Uh, he would direct uh, four episodes of the uh, 80s version of The Twilight Zone. Um, he did uh, Beauty and the Beast, Wise Guy, uh, a few episodes of The Flash uh, TV show, the original, oh, wow. not the one that's currently airing, obviously. Um, this was his only Quantum Leap. Uh, he would do uh, an episode of Sequest, um, a bunch of episodes of Baywatch, uh, some Hercules, some Viper, Pensacola Wings of Gold, and the last credit we have on IMDb for him is an episode of 18 Wheels of Justice. 18 Wheels of Justice. Yeah. I feel like we've talked Uh-oh. about that one before. Right? Um, but yeah, I just, it just seems like an interesting character. I, I, read, I was reading a little bit about him, uh, and, and I, I think that he, you know, he, he definitely brings um, some unique qualities to this episode as director, um, which we'll get into. Uh, our writer is John Diacchino, who is someone that we are... Um, quite familiar with. Yes, we are. Um, as Frank in both of the Jimmy episodes. Um, he, he is responsible for the writing of this episode. We'll talk more about that as we go on. He did indeed have some comments 
uh, about the episode. Um, I get the feeling that this episode was written a, a while back. Like, this episode was... I, I don't think that he wrote this episode in 1992, you know, late 92 to be to be used for 1993. I have a feeling that this was written, you know, somewhere in, like, you know, 1990, 1991. Second, and was, and was hmm. it, Yeah, it was worked on. Just because of a couple things we'll talk about later. Um, our air date is March 16th, 1993. Our leap date is November the 6th, 1972. Sam is leapt into Henry Adams, and we are somewhere in Washington State. We don't we know are. exactly where, but we do know that it is a fairly small, uh, small community. Yes. Let's go to TV Guide description. TV Guide. Sam steps in the life of a Vietnam vet with a nailing buddy who both share a bitter past with another vet. That's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, rating share. It uh, got 7.1 million viewers. Uh, like we've noted before, it was the viewership was on the decline by this point in the series. Uh, in other countries, in Germany, it was known as The Search for Bigfoot. And right. uh, in Italy, it was simply known as Bigfoot. Uh, in France, it was known as the prehistoric man. Of course, it was. <laughs> and of course, uh, Sam Lucena, we kind of alluded to it before. Uh, he is sitting in a window. A little kid comes into the room, freaks the hell out, starts shouting for mom and dad. It's Bigfoot. Sam trips out the window, gets around the corner. He kind of looks down, looks at himself. Um, and I think for a moment, he wonders himself if he is Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah, which is interesting to me. Uh, I, you know, I, I think that um, knowing that you know he, he's leapt into a chimp before, um, he, you know, I think, and, and we've seen him leap into, um, you know, a, a, an adolescent boy. We've seen him leap into women, obviously. So you know, why not have him leap into Bigfoot, right? Especially in this season of all seasons, I could easily have been fooled into thinking that, yes, indeed, he's leapt into Bigfoot. <laughs> you know, I, I feel at this time when the show originally aired, they they had already, like, floated out there. Like, it was known out there that they wanted to do a baby episode. Right. They wanted to have Sam leap into a baby. I think by this point there had been a little blurb in TV Guide uh, that I remember reading of Don Belisario saying that uh, if there was going to be a sixth season, he was going to have Sam leap into a cartoon character and, and the entire episode was going to be animated. Yes. So I think it, at, at this point, it was already in my head like, oh, they're, they're doing some weird shit. Yeah. Yeah, they were going to do the Who Framed Roger Rabbit episode, I think. Because it, it wasn't going to be completely animated because I think Al was still going to be Al. Um, oh, really? Okay. But who knows? Yeah, who knows? Because I think that that's what they were. That's what they had been sort of influenced by. Um, yeah. I, obviously, all things were on the table. I think we can we can agree, however... That uh, the show really does work best, you know, when when Sam leaps into a, a human. I don't know. I it, uh, fuck it. We're 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 a Star Trek podcast. Like, we're like the one guy who gave us the bad review on iTunes. Uh, have you watched any? Of, <laughs> have you watched any of Lower Decks yet? Uh, I've watched the first two episodes. I've not finished it yet. I've heard really really great things about the finale in particular. Could you imagine? Just a straight-up Rick and Morty-style animated Quantum Leap. I think it could work. Yeah, I could. I could, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. In case you know what we're talking about, uh, Star Trek Lower Decks, it's the new series out on CBS uh, All Access. Uh, it is a canon Star Trek series, but um, it is very much in the style of Rick and Morty. Um, so, I mean, it, it's very much tongue-in-cheek. They they take Star Trek to task, and they mock it very lovingly. It's very Galaxy Quest in that way, but yeah, definitely check it out, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, like I said, what I, I've only seen a couple episodes, but what I've seen of it, I, I do really quite like, and and uh, I've, I've heard only good things about, um, you know, the rest of the season, and in particular, I, I was reading, um, you know, just briefly, you know, try not to read too much because I didn't want anything spoiled, but uh, I did read that the the season finale, in particular, somebody says it's the best season finale of Star Trek they've ever seen, and that does include Best of Both Worlds Part One, so. <laughs> We'll, you know, uh, we'll see. We'll see. I, uh, it was good, but I don't know if it was that good. <laughs> it was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's I, gonna I, be hard I, I will give you this. To that. I'll give you this small spoiler. There is now officially a Faith of the Heart joke that is in the Star Trek canon. Oh, dear God, that's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually glad to know that. Um, back to Quad of Leave. Uh, I did like this leap in. Um, I, I, I thought that there was something about this leap in that encapsulated, and again, you know, we've talked about this before, uh, at, at times the leap ins become somewhat utilitarian. It's just like, okay, you know, get Sam, get Sam out of wherever he is into the next one and we'll pick it up next time. And I think that's a shame because early on, you know, we had some really inventive leap ins. We had some, uh, some shocking leap ins, some moments where, uh, you know, you, you think back to like season one and season two and, and granted they had the benefit of saying like, this is the first time Sam has leapt into a black man. This is the first time Sam's leapt into a woman. You know, of course there were things like that, that they could play with, uh, in ways that, you know, they, they couldn't do in season four and season five. Uh, but that said, there's something about this leap in that feels, um, I don't know, more, more akin to those early leap ins where you get a little, you know, there's a little bit of comedy, there's a little bit of that shock, there's a little bit of that, like, it just leaves you wondering, like, sincerely wondering what's coming next. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which I think is which I think is really cool, because, y- y- you know, going even back to, like, Lee Harvey Oswald, for instance, when you saw that original leap in, it was shocking. But to be honest, it didn't leave a whole hell of a lot to the imagination. And especially considering the episode we got, with the exception of the twist ending, if we want to call it that, we didn't get a lot that was shocking. Like, if you knew anything about Lee Harvey Oswald at all, if you'd ever picked up a book, you know, you couldn't Wikipedia it, obviously, back then. But sure. if you'd ever picked up a book, you know, you knew, you knew every, they didn't show us anything that we didn't really already know. So, so I think that, that there was something about this leap in that I did enjoy, um... And, 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 and I think, you know, I talked in the last episode that I liked that leap in, but at the same time, that leap in also was, oh, it's Maryland, you know, it was it, this, this, is, this isn't that, you know, and, 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 and I like that. And, and, and like you, there's that moment of like, does Sam really think he's Bigfoot? Which is amusing to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. So we're going, uh, so yeah, we get the opening credits. Uh, maybe we should, uh, meet, uh, uh, Daniel. That was his name? Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was... I misheard it, because I thought it was Samuel. Um, I swear, like, uh, last week, uh, when, when the, the leap out happened, uh, and I was watching 
Goodbye, Norma Jean. I was just like, I, I could have swore she said Samuel, and I was like, huh. But yeah, yeah it's Daniel. Yeah. It is Daniel. indeed Daniel. Daniel, played by David Tom, um, doesn't uh, have any huge things to note. Like, it looks like he's been active on and off, does a couple things a year. Yes. Had, a, had well, a stint for 16 episodes on All My Children back in the, in the early 2000s. He was a regular on The Young and the Restless for 308 episodes. So he was he 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 was quite active um, in, in the Young and the Restless. Oh, there he is. Okay, I missed him. Yeah, yeah. there we go. Um, you know, work and, and working up until today. Um, yeah, I, one of the things that, that I remembered him from is he played Chip in Veronica Mars, and I didn't recognize uh. him from that, obviously, because you know the, they were a good. 13, 14 years apart, but yeah. when I did look it up on IMDb, I did make the connection right away, because I'm familiar with the character that he played, so um, yeah, you know, I, 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 he's he's fine in this, there, there are a couple of moments where I, I think he's, he's actually quite good, and then the rest of the time, I think he's just kind of serviceable, but, but I will say this, he's not the weakest link in this episode. You have opinions. Oh, do I? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, keep me in suspense. Then we have uh, Eileen Seeley. She plays uh, she plays Karen. Is that her name? Uh, yeah. Yeah, she plays Karen. She's our Star she Trek. Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Is she the weakest link? Is she she the is one? the weakest link. Oh, really? Why do you think that? Oh, God, she really is the weakest. She's terrible. She's terrible. Like, I'm just going to say it. She's absolutely terrible in this episode. I got nothing from her. She was like a dial tone. I said I do. I thought that was enough. Dennis, you just, you were, you, 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 you were just, you, you were fucking Marlon Brando in that moment <laughs> compared to what she is in this episode. I'm sorry. Like, I, I just don't, I just, I just do not think, I think she adds absolutely nothing to this episode. And it's so frustrating to me because she has such a pivotal role. And there are two scenes in particular where she could have, like, the right person in that role could have easily elevated this episode beyond what it is. Um, and, and, and ultimately, we get someone who's, l- quite frankly, less than serviceable. <sighs> she didn't bug me that bad, but... Sure, oh, man. I, like, the, when she's talking when she's talking with Daniel about, you know, uh, you could still love somebody even after they die, like, she is so flat in that scene. The thing that bothers me so much is that here's here's what really bothers me. You have Pat Skipper who plays Luke. Yep, um, who we've seen before. Who, by who the does, way, yes, we have. That's right. Who actually does? Uh, I think a really nice job um, in this episode, and I think that he, you know, he's also a breath of fresh air because he's not one of our mustache twirling villains that we can be so used to in season five of Quantum Leap. I mean, hell, even in Goodbye Norma Jean, what's her face was a mustache twirling villain, basically. Um, you know, so it's so it's it's a it's a breath of fresh air to get someone who's a little deeper than that. And then you've got Sean Sullivan who plays Roy, who is absolutely beautiful. It is it is a tender, sensitive, just well rounded performance. Um you know, he does he, he he's he's excellent. And so I think that it's just it was just hard for me. Like I said, the kid the kid who's not even that great sometimes, who's just serviceable, is is like outshines her, you know? So, I, 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 I couldn't, no, I couldn't, I couldn't get on board with her. Luckily, she does not ruin the episode, but uh, it's too bad that there wasn't somebody maybe a little bit more 
talented in that role. I don't know. Or a little more focused or whatever. Maybe she was (laughs) having a bad couple of days. Sure. Maybe she was sick. I don't know. Sure. I don't know. I don't know. And then we have uh, Sean Sullivan who plays Roy. You know, I always thought he looked vaguely familiar. He is one of Buford Tanner... Buford... uh, uh, Tannen's gang. gang. Yes, sorry, stuttering there. Buford Tannen's gang in Back to the Future 3. Yeah. Yeah, he's also most recently um, in The Umbrella Academy, which uh, I've not yet seen, but I I really want to. Um, I've read the the first arc uh, in the comic books, but uh, yeah, he's in a few episodes of that. Um, So I'll have to keep an eye out for him. He also played Andy Warhol in Studio 54. Um, that you know, 90s movie with Mike Myers and Nev Campbell, uh, amongst others. But um, yeah, I, I just I thought he was really really great uh, in, in the episode. Um, I think that the high points of this episode easily are, are the scenes between him and Sam. Sure. Um, and, and 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 you know Scott's phenomenal in this episode. I think. Sure. Um, there's just some really, really great stuff. And, and early on, the nice thing is, is that there's this, there's, it, it gets dropped pretty quickly, but there's some suspense that's set up for us. Um, you know, while Luke goes to see what, what Daniel saw outside and, um, you know, he finds the pills that Sam has dropped mm-hmm. and, uh, um, it's just a good setup. It's just a good setup. It really is. It is. Yeah. There's like, yeah, there's a lot of great, like small little scenes in this. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what, other than, other than, uh, Karen, uh, the first half of this episode easily had it in the running for, for, for being like top three episodes of the season. Yeah. I'd put it up there. But it didn't sustain itself. It didn't. Yeah. (laughs) But Hey, Hey, we're going to do, um, I I think the, the, the bedroom scene, I, I always love doing this. Uh, the bedroom set, I think was, we've seen that one before in moments to live. I really think uh, I think that was the bedroom where where Sam was being held. I think uh, you were absolutely right. And I all, that's the window. That's the window he tried to climb out of. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. And I almost wanted the the, the cabin, like the living room area, almost kind of looked like the cabin from uh, uh, her charm. Oh wow, okay. But maybe I'm wrong about that. Could uh, be. It could it could very well be. Um, I like Sam's voiceover here mm-hmm. early on. You know, we were talking last week about not enjoying the voiceover, but this this is a voiceover done right, both in the writing and the delivery. You sure. Know? Um, and uh, this is where I just kind of like this early on. I was like, this episode would have fit nicely in season three. Oh yeah. Um, and I think that's a very very good thing. It's it's almost as if again doing a throwback kind of episode is a breath of fresh air, um, which just kind of. It, you know, tells you how like bogged down we got in all of these gimmicky episodes of the season. Sure. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking like, yeah, had it been during season three, they would have been more in touch with, uh, they would have been closer to the whole Tom storyline and there could have been some discussions like, Hey, what happened to Tom? Right. After, after Lee Palm part two. God. Yeah. Yeah. And it does, it really does make me wonder if he wrote it around that time. Sure. Um, you know, and how closely, you know, dialed in he was, you know, with, with the cast and crew of the show. Um, you know, at that time he only would have done the one episode, only would have done Jimmy. Sure. Um, but I just have a feeling that this was done 
you know, before uh, yeah. Evil Leaper even. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, since we're on that topic, maybe point out. So, yeah, John D'Aquino did write the episode, and, and Matt in his books notes that uh, Tommy Thompson, who was still on the show at this time, he had enough weight on the show where he could basically... He could bring an outsider in, which John was. He could bring an outsider in to write the script as long right. as he had, like, final responsibility for it. So John wrote the script. He turned it in. Uh, Tommy did some uncredited rewrites, and I think uh, other people did some rewriting on it. And I think you mentioned earlier that eventually he said, like, like this was not the episode that he wrote. And, yeah. and especially he did not have the, the, the twist in the end where we actually have Bigfoot show up yeah um, yeah I, I, I would be curious to read what the original script was and how different it was uh, I, I wonder agree. if it was really more of, of of like an actual drama like talking about the trauma of Vietnam because um, I think if the episode like does have a weak point it, it's the whole you know we got to stop someone from dying of something and so in this case it's Seizures, and it's that whole thing, and like the, the the quest for medicine. And I wonder yeah. if the original script was just a little bit more quieter, like really dealing with the PTSD of of war. Right. Well, I, I have yeah, I have a feeling if I were to make a guess that the original script for the episode excised almost all of the the Bigfoot stuff beyond Daniel's maybe fascination with the idea of there being a Bigfoot out sure. of window. Because I could see that being the initial impetus for the boy to run away from home to go find Bigfoot or whatever, and then come upon these two Vietnam vets that knew his father. Um, but I think that that's probably where it would have ended. And I think that the original, you know, thing that Sam was there to stop was to stop this boy from, from dying. Um, you know, that Sam still would have been arrested, that things kind of would have gone that way, that, you know, that, that ultimately he's there to save Daniel's life, but he's also there to save, you know, Roy, um, which, which is what happens but I agree. I think that I think that the seizure stuff, um, you know, might become a little overblown. Not, not that that's not a very real problem. I mean, obviously, my mother suffered from epilepsy, so I'm very familiar with 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 what they can do. But uh, but certainly, all the Bigfoot stuff, I think, would have just never, you know. And 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 the and the crazy thing is, is that we're talking about probably maybe two minutes of of actual like on screen stuff that might have been changed if that but it would have but i think just tonally you know and 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 where the episode would have been driving to would have been very different yeah and it's the reason why too i was saying that thing about the first half of the episode because i think we get so much really great stuff in the first half of the episode you know and then it feels like it feels like you know don and tommy and chris came along and said all right john we're going to just Piss all over the last 30 pages of your teleplay. I don't know. Because uh, I think it was somewhere, uh, or it was in the last entry, that, uh, yeah, by, th- by this point, Tommy Thompson was still around, but he was just, he was ready to be done. He said that th- things were just getting weird on the show, and he was ready to move on. So I wonder yeah. how much of it was more uh, Don's doing. But anyway, so yeah, the first half of the episode, they, we, we get the great scenes. Like, I love the scene where, where Sam first comes out, the, like, the next morning of their campsite yeah. uh, the next day. Um, really enjoy that, like getting to know getting to know Roy more in depth and his old backstory of being being a tunnel rat, and that's why he has PTSD, and that's why he's claustrophobic. 
um, and uh, we've touched on it before, just the introduction of, of the journal and the extended flashback sequence. Um, yeah. I wonder um, if the show had gone on and they wanted to do things like a little less gimmicky. It would have been interesting to like have an episode where it's just like more of an extended flashback between other characters that doesn't even involve Sam. Give Scott a break. Right. Sure, you know? Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, especially as a way for Sam to maybe, you know, instead of some of the exposition dumps that Al would give us, you know, why not? Yeah, why not have a scene or two with the characters and, you know, show us what happened as opposed to somebody telling us what happened. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I really, again, I, I think that Roy is, is, a, is a really beautiful character and, and Sean Sullivan does a wonderful job playing him. Uh, there's, there's something about, um, you know, the, the, the echoes, um, you know, Vietnam and the way they reverberate through this episode. Um, it, it, it's, you know, it, it just, it hangs literally and, and metaphorically. And, and it's something that, like you said, the, the show has tackled before and done very well with. Um, multiple times, you know, whether it's MIA, Leap Home Part 2, Nowhere to Run, um, you know, the, there's there's been, um, I mean, Animal Frat, even. I mean, you know, Vietnam has played a, a, a very large role uh, in in the history of the show, and, 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 and I mean, there's a reason for that. We talked about it before, you know, the generation that was producing the show, the generation that, that the show was initially intended for, all that sort of thing. Um... And I actually like the fact that the PTSD, which is clearly at play here, um, is also, you know, married to a literal physical wound as well. Um, you know, the, the Roy's gunshot wound that he took to the head. That's right. Yeah. That, that he survived. It's like, you know, it's it, it's kind of, in a way, it's kind of nice to see because I, I, I feel like we've seen, you know, we've seen it. In, in Nowhere to Run, yes. But this is a little different. You know, it's not in a clinical setting. You know, we, we've seen we've seen kind of the, the you know, the, the, the PTSD and MIA. You know, we've seen these soldiers at war in Leap Home Part 2. And I just think it's a nice, it's a nice take um, to, to match those things up. One of the things that I was reading um, uh, online as well, which made a lot of sense and, and clicked right away for me, is that the, you know, people kind of wondering, postulating if, if John D'Aquino was at all influenced by Tim O'Brien uh, and the things we carried. Because Tim O'Brien, very similarly to Henry, kept a journal of, of his experiences in Vietnam and would go on to write the things he carried, as well as other uh, uh, books and short stories about his experiences in Vietnam, which we learn that Henry does later. Um, and there's something in particular about the, the four of them together, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, with the flashback, which the flashback is, it's just really great. Uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 I mean, it's something that's so different. Sam's voiceover helps it work too. Um, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure on the switch from like the black and white to, to color. Uh, yeah. I'll take it or leave it, whatever. Sure, Who cares? Sure. It still works, yeah. you know? Um, but it, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's really well done. It's a sensitive treating of the subject matter. Um, and I, and I, and it makes me miss that tone in the latter half, in the back half of this episode. Sure. Because I think it does kind of disappear, unfortunately. Yeah. 
Um, you know, another thing that I really like too is when Roy is starting to get really worked up and Al's warning Sam that he could have a seizure. I love the way Sam jumps into action, calms Roy down. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, that's Sam. You know, that is Sam. That's mm-hmm. the Sam that we've not really seen as much of. You know, it, sure. it, it, it's not the Sam who's reviving Marilyn Monroe after she's already taken the drugs. This is the Sam who's getting in front of the problem before it even hits. And and I and I like that, you know? Yeah. I agree with that. And, you know, we get some good stuff from Al, too. Yeah. Um, Al's, you know, has that line, no people, no war. There's mm-hmm. the, he, you know, Stockwell keeps a lot of stuff under the surface. But in that scene in particular, you see Al the Vietnam vet, mm-hmm. like, speaking which is really nice because there's not any sort of direct there is no you know there's no al kind of saying his piece like there wasn't nowhere to run for instance sure yeah you know um but yeah i i i again i this the first half of the episode i i just think is 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 quite lovely and 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 i think that you know sean sullivan plays a big part in that the script the flashback and obviously Scott Bakula, it's, it's, it's quite nice. There's even, maybe, maybe there's even like a little bit of deer hunter influence, like just a sure. little bit. Yeah. Um, but it, it works for me. It works for me wonderfully. I was yeah. in, man. I was in, I was just like, yeah, this is quantum leap. You were there. Yeah, I was finally yeah. back to form. Um, right. <laughs> you know, speaking of Al, um, Al is dressed very warmly throughout the entire episode. It does not make sense. And in one scene, like at least in one scene, he's wearing gloves in the final scene of the episode. Uh, You see his breath quite a lot. It does not make sense. And I'm sure Dean Stockwell got paid very well, but he wasn't getting paid well enough to stand out in the friggin' cold. You know, I just normally. I just think that Ziggy must have been mad at something that Al said, and so she just turned the AC on full blast in the imaging chamber, and so that's why Al had to dress that way. <laughs> Maybe, or, uh, I mean, no, I've seen, like, could they put in a joke, could they put in, like, some kind of explanation, and I just like there's no explanation. Yeah. Because, like, to the average viewer, like, you're not going to notice, it doesn't jump out at you a lot. Uh, right, and we right. get to see some, and it's, we get to see Al in something different. We almost get a little, even a little bit of like a, a little bit kind of a, a almost a little bit of a Southwest flair, mm-hmm. uh, which which is interesting because in the alternate ending to the entire series, new Al who stayed with Beth has a very Southwest yeah. look. Um, well, and even the spoilers set that on, yeah. Is very yeah. Uh, spoilers, <laughs> spoilers for the th- what? Whatever for a twenty-seven year old finale. <laughs> for a twenty-seven. Well, I mean, the, the 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 finale is really new. Like it just came out like what a year ago, less than a year That's ago. That's true. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. But anyway. well, but the but the script the 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 script's been been around for like twenty-five years. Oh, like that sure. was shared on message boards, like and the AOL message boards, like in nineteen ninety-five. Yeah, but even then, like I don't. I don't think they actually like really got into what the what the set what their home looked like. Actually, no, that's true. That's very true. actually that's very in true. my head. I because th- by this point I was reading the, the the novels and the novels they have a lot of scenes that take place in the project. I always imagine that last scene um, at the project. Yeah, like they're like they're like their home within it. So it's something like a little bit more uh, utilitarian. Yeah, you know, more like government government housing or something, and not. 
like their their beautiful Southwest flavored home. Same, yeah, no, no, same here, same here. I yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I it's interesting too because the clearly the um, the 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 makeshift home that that Henry and Roy share is clearly on a soundstage, and uh, almost at times to the detriment uh, to the episode. Uh, it's clear that they were trying to save a little money, not shooting on location for those scenes. Sure. Um, and it, and it is almost a little jarring later on in the episode when Roy and Daniel are looking for Bigfoot and they are clearly on location. Um, you know, everything's different. The lighting is different. The, you know, you, you can just tell that they're, that they're no longer on that soundstage. Um, so it makes it even funnier the fact that, yeah, we see Al, you know, bundled up in spite of the fact that in some of these scenes they're clearly shooting on a soundstage and then of course, you know, the others there are, they're on location or whatever. But, um, yeah, I, I didn't, I did kind of question it though. I was like, why is he all bundled up? And then of course they like say in one of the final scene shots, we see, you know, him, his breath sure. misting before him. Yeah. But you know, the thing is like the cigar, that's a nice little cover. Right. <laughs> that's true. That is very true. Al also, so, so at one point, um, you know, Al is kind of raising the stakes for, for Sam about Roy's impending doom because he's going to die from a seizure, um, and how he needs the medication. And Sam has this epiphany that, uh, Lobelia, the, the Lobelia plant will, will, you know, be able to kind of keep things under control temporarily while he, you know, gets the, the medication for him. And, um, while they're off looking for, for the medication, Al's superstitious streak comes into play as he starts to get a little concerned about, uh, you know, things that go bump in the night, if you will, or snapping twigs. And it's hilarious to me because Al is clearly in no danger whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's Sam that would be in danger if there were anything out there. And yet Al is the one that's spooked. <laughs> I mean, that's very true to form for Al. Oh, totally. In everything. Totally. But, yeah. But yeah. hey, at least, you know, at least what we were spared in this episode was a great debate between Sam and Al as to whether or not Bigfoot existed. That is very true. Because we could have had another Bermuda Triangle. Oh, yeah. You know, we could have had another uh, Blood Moon. Yeah. You know, so I'm just, I'm grateful we didn't have that. Uh I don't know, yeah, we, we've kind of danced around it. Maybe talk about it. Like, how do we feel about Bigfoot showing up at the end? Uh, it's, I mean, look, it's ridiculous. The actors had such a hard time keeping a straight face that I feel like even the final cut that's in the episode is is Stockwell basically breaking. Like, it's, I mean... You can't tell me that that take was like, okay, we got it. That's perfect. Like, I feel like these guys had such a hard time keeping it together because of how bullshit absurd it was that, that finally, that finally, like, Traconis was just sort of like, that's as good as it's going to get. Print it, you know? But, but really, how, how bad was it? I mean, because by this point, we had Portrait for Troyan, We had uh, a Ghost Ship. We had the Curse of Tahotep. We, uh, I feel like I'm missing at least one. Like, this is, this is not a new twist in Quantum Leap. Like, this is almost like, like a standard hook at the end of an episode where we reveal that the supernatural thing that can't exist does exist. 
Yes, and I and, and that's why ultimately I've got no problem with it. Like I said, it's a little ridiculous. I don't really care, and I think therein is part of the problem, because at least with Tahotep, like I can be like, ah, god damn it, that's just dumb, but whatever. At least the whole episode was building towards it. In this, it's it's it, it it's the physical representation and manifestation of what is wrong with the last half of this episode. Because had they maintained the, you know, the hour-long TV drama that, that they were clearly building towards with that first half, instead of getting bogged down in this whole, you know, who moved the car, who, you know, all this sort of shit. It's just like... Yeah, the thing is, like, it, moving the truck is what sold it for me. Because I had completely forgotten that. <laughs> and to me, that almost kind of justifies it. The biggest problem is, is that it's just, it's unnecessary. Like they didn't need to crash. The oh, truck. sure. Yeah. They didn't need, you know, and so it's, and so it's, it, I mean, but again, hey, I mean, hey, I mean, we, we hit the housekeeper back in trilogy part one. So all bets were off at this point. Right. Right. <laughs> oh God. I mean, yes, you're not wrong. You're not wrong, but it's just, it, it's frustrating because they're Cause I think that this is an instance where, there is a truly great episode underneath some of this stuff. And it it gets sacrificed for Bigfoot? Well, let me put this. What if we had everything except they didn't actually show Bigfoot? What if they had left it with the question of who moved the truck? And both Scott and Dean look off camera with a look of shock on their face have a little music to score it. We never actually see Bigfoot, but we know that that's what Sam and Al have seen. Would that have made it better? I I don't know. Because the problem isn't seeing Bigfoot so much as it's just that it's just not what the episode was about. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, I because mean, you know, a little bit of the tension is, uh, is between Daniel... And uh, what's his name? The the stepdad. Yeah. Yeah, Between Daniel and Luke and the tension over like not believing him over, you know, Bigfoot existing. Um, Right. Here's the problem. Go ahead. Here's the problem with that. And it's the reason why whoever decided to doctor this episode or work on it or whatever is, is a hack. Because ultimately or did or not that they're a hack, but they did some hackish things because ultimately the tension has absolutely nothing to do with Bigfoot. The tension has to do with the fact that this kid's dad died in Vietnam and his buddy from the war came home and married his mom. That's it. Like, anything else is extraneous. And so, for me personally, it's just one of those things that I feel like, why layer on... Like, you could, you, you, you're telling me that, that, that whoever looked at this script and, and made whatever changes that they had to make or whatever, they, they thought so little of their audience that they had to literally shoehorn Bigfoot into it because some kid who is having this, this fanciful notion that Bigfoot is out in the woods, this kid who's gone through the trauma of losing his father in Vietnam, who's, who's, who's had his mom remarry one of his dad's war buddies, like who's had all this thrown at him and is looking for some fantasy to be the one to get a picture of Bigfoot. Like you had to actually literally make it about Bigfoot. I'm not buying that. I think that that is that is that is that that belittles the audience. It makes us. It makes it makes us some sort of like I don't know. It, it, it. 
I don't know, but I mean, but 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 also at the same time, you got to look at it, what television was then. You know what I mean? Most people like they're expecting you to tune in. Like you're half paying attention. You'll catch the show in reruns. They weren't ever expecting to put this out on home video. I don't think it's looking down on the. I mean, let me. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, similar twist at the end of 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 Portrait of Trine. Are you telling me that having the reveal that Mrs. Stoltz was actually a ghost the entire time? Do you think that that takes away from the greatness that is the episode? A portrait of Troy. You jerk. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I will say, what I will say is at least that felt related to the episode. Like at least that felt like it was it was a piece of the episode. Whereas here, the Bigfoot stuff, having, you know, deciding to literalize Bigfoot instead of keeping it this metaphor uh, is it, it, it does feel like it's it does feel like it's talking down to the audience. It does feel like it, it feels like they're so desperate that they have to say like, uh, yeah, let's put Bigfoot actually in the episode and lose all notion of subtlety for these characters and 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 take one step away from the reality that we're grounding this episode in and the reverence that we're showing towards this very real horrible thing that happened and and instead let's. Let's have Bigfoot come in and save the day. <laughs> My biggest problem with Bigfoot is that the costume literally looks like they just took whatever Sam was in at the beginning of the episode and they just put it on a bulkier dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, and then, and then, yeah, yeah. And also, like, just like the very uh, nonchalant nature of Bigfoot is walking across the woods. Right. You know, like, he's just, hey, I'm just, I'm just out, I'm just out, hanging out, having a walk, having a day. I mean, you know, look, for what it's worth, the Lobelia plant is real. <laughs> and the Lobelia plant has actually been used for uh, medicinal purposes um, that would be similar enough to what Sam was talking about. Bigfoot, also known as Sasquatch. In fact, it was actually National Sasquatch Awareness Day just a few days ago. I'm not making that up. No, yeah. Uh, totally missed an opportunity to drop this on, this on that day. Right? Apparently a real thing. Uh, Bigfoot. Oh, Bigfoot. Um... Yeah, I mean, what are you gonna? What are you? What are you gonna even say? I don't know. I mean, he, he, he's been around for a long time. Um, we've got newspaper accounts apparently going back to 1840, um, Spokane, Washington. So it, it plays into the location of this episode. Lots of the most of the sightings are all up in the Pacific Northwest. Um, you've got, uh, you've got your pictures, your, your hoaxes, etc., etc. Clearly there is no, um, you know, real actual confirmation that Bigfoot exists, but there have actually been real formal studies, um, on Bigfoot. Um, I don't know. This just, really gets under your skin. 
It does a little bit. It does because it's funny, you know, you're, you're talking about this is where TV was at the time. And I, and I actually would argue the opposite, you know, this is where TV was in the seventies. This is $6 million man territory. You know, this is, this is, this is, it's not quantum leap. And I, and I, and I genuinely feel like if they decide, here's the problem. They make a joke out of it. You know, it's like, first of all, he's deus ex machina because he comes in and he, and he, you know, moves the truck. So he's got super strength, apparently, because he can move that truck. Like, not just move it, like, had to pick it up and turn it around. So he's, you know, he's like the Hulk. And, 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 and then, like you said, he's just nonchalantly loping through the forests. You know, it's like, there should be a thousand pictures of, of, of the Bigfoot. They should, I, I don't know. It's just, it's. I'm in the weeds on it, and it's pointless. It, <laughs> the thing is, I, I think that it undercuts what is what is what is otherwise a a very good episode. That said, ultimately, it it doesn't. The ending does not necessarily bother me. It bothers me that he moves the truck. I'm not a big fan of that. But Sam and Al seeing him at the end of the episode, whatever. See, it bothers me that he moves the truck, but then he's just nonchalantly walking when they see him. Because, like, if he moved the truck, he knows people are around. He is aware enough, like, he was being helpful to move the truck. He wasn't just moving the truck because, you know, it was chest and leg day or whatever. You know, he was being helpful. Why the hell is he hanging around and just walking around nonchalantly? Yeah. That's my speed. So here's – so so I'm going to go back a little bit here. Here's, Here's where the problem lies in my opinion. We get some nice scenes with Daniel at the camp mm-hmm. uh, between you know Roy and Sam. Sure, and it they, and, and those scenes are, are kind of an encapsulation of what I'm talking about because I do feel like the scenes get a little undercut by the serious nature with with which they initially approach the conversation, but then it devolves into you know oh yeah we've seen Bigfoot oh I'll go show you where he is, and the thing is, had it been done in any sort of like playful, you know, way with the kid, like had it just been any sort of like, you know, or, or, or Roy's manifestation of whatever delusional status, the state that he might be in at any one time, you know, it it could have had some real gravity, but instead it's just like, it's very comic booky. It's like, okay, fine, whatever. Um, of course you cut all this with the fact that like, you've got Sam, going to confront Luke in order to tell him that Roy needs help. They throw Sam in jail. Like the confrontation scene between the two of them is really well done. Um, the, you know, Karen coming in and getting Sam out of jail so that they can go find them. Uh, you, you know, it works. Um, Daniel's fall. And the yes, camera yeah. stuff. How does he just fall into that weird little, th- Yeah. That's a little odd, yeah. He, yeah, I mean, yeah. But whatever. Um, the fall seemed now, a little bit far fetched to me. Right. But that said, once, like, everybody, we're, we're all on the location and we've got Sam and Luke and Karen and, and Roy and Daniel's down in the crevice, some really great stuff happens. And what should have been the, the emotional high point of the episode, the finish of the episode, had you excised all the other Bigfoot shit. Uh, almost becomes throwaway. And that's really unfortunate. Because Roy 
making the decision to go down in that hole. He was a tunnel rat in Vietnam. We mentioned yeah. that we didn't mention that earlier. Um, you know, for for anyone not aware, tunnel rat was the 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 name for um, unofficial, obviously, name for soldiers that were generally very small and could um, get down into the holes that were dug by um, the Viet Cong and, 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 you know, get into their tunnels and, um, plant explosives and whatnot, do scouting, etc. um, recon work. And, and that's what Roy was. And, and a lot of those soldiers came back from the war, quite frankly, terrified of small spaces, um, justifiably so because they saw a lot of really horrible things. Um, and so Roy obviously does not, he, he won't even go inside Sam's Henry's little hut. hut. Yeah. Um, so, but he does end up going down there to save Daniel. He gets him out and he comes out and he, and, and there's this line and it's fucking heartbreaking. It's beautiful. He just looks the same. He says, I don't think I'm going to be seeing those snakes no more. And it's so perfect. It is like, it's one of those moments. Like I, I one of my favorite pieces of, of film acting, no joke is, is a moment in the departed where Leonardo DiCaprio is in, uh, Vera Farmiga's character's apartment and he, it's the first time he's been invited in and he's standing there and they've, you know, they, they've seen each other professionally a couple of times and, and now they're kind of seeing each other personally and he's standing there and he's looking around her apartment and he goes, you don't got cats. I like that. That to, is, is literally just one of the, I, I'm saying it and I'm getting chills. It is one of the most soul shaking just because of its deceptive simplicity. It's like on the waterfront when Brando plays with the glove when he's talking with Eva Marie Saint. It means nothing, but it means everything. Now, this moment is not necessarily that because it's it's a deep, meaningful moment, but it has that... It lands in a very similar way. Not that I'm comparing Sean Sullivan as wonderful he is in this film to DiCaprio or Brando, who are two of the finest actors of their generation, but... But the moment lands in a very similar way for me. Um, and the embrace when Sam hugs Roy, it's perfect. It's so perfect. Because again, it's like, that's Sam. Because you know what? Sam gives a shit about this person. Like, Sam has lived these past, you know, couple of days. Like, Sam is, has, has really, and, and he cares about Roy. And so it's a beautiful moment. But... Now we have to go find the truck has been moved. We have to go and see Bigfoot. And it's just like... <sighs> because there's an, ep- there's an ending to this episode where the truck has never moved, where the truck is there, where they drive up, and they're just right there and able to just literally put Daniel into the bed of the truck and drive off, and Al turns to Sam and says, this is what happens, this is what happens, and then Sam leaps out, adios, goodbye, into the episode, and it's a beautiful episode. But instead, Bigfoot. So I guess that it's just... Well, and there's Karen, because Karen, Jesus, he's not breathing. He's not, it's, oh, oh, she's so bad. Anyway. There you go. That's that's pretty much all I have to say about this episode. But the Bigfoot thing, <laughs> it kind of it kind of brings up, because, like, we go from them seeing Bigfoot, oh, boy, and like you said, they're up there, both, both Scott and Dean are almost, like, breaking character. And now we're in a definitely weird situation because we are obviously in the Civil War. Yes. Which is not the original leap out. 
the original Leap Out the Air right, was actually the Memphis air. Melody, which is it the reason still, why earlier still works. I was t- right. It does because earlier when I was talking about as a young kid watching this, I so you know my family, my dad in particular, and he passed on to me. Huge Elvis fans. So watching the original Leap Out, it was just like what? And I feel like at that point I had actually read about it at some point that they were going to do an Elvis Leap. Um, Imagine my surprise, of course, the next week when I sit down to watch the episode at its at its Civil War, which was also kind of cool. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, that said, yes, watching it on on the Blu-ray, yeah, we get the correct leap out, which is leap between the states. Yeah, it's obviously Civil War. Yeah. What's happening next? <laughs> I, I I'm just not as hung up on on, on Bigfoot. Or Karen, as you, as you yeah. Are. I just have such high expectations. The you know I, I guess the here's here is one thing I will say, in spite of my ranting and raving, um, like a madman, uh, I do actually really like this episode, and I do think that it it it, it certainly is probably one of my top episodes of the season. Um, you know, I, I, I think right now back to a wall without looking at the titles of other episodes and kind of refreshing my memory, nowhere to run is probably my favorite episode of the season thus far. Um, just because I feel like it's, it's the episode that represents what quantum leap is to me the most. Um, I, I am a fan of trilogy. I, you know, I think that those three episodes are, are, are quite good. Um, you know, and then, and then I really like this episode and, and, and look, I mean, I like some of the gimmick episodes too. I'm not trying to say I don't, but I, I don't need, like, again, like I said, I don't even necessarily mind Bigfoot that much. I just think that in a weird way, they kind of made it a little bit more about that than it needed to be. And it does feel tacked on. And even before I read in Matt's book that they messed with the Aquino script, I already could sense that they had messed with the script. So that's that's just kind of why I think I have a bit of a beef with it. But ultimately, I still think it's a really good episode. And I think, much like Matt says in his book, I think it deserves revisiting. You know, I think if you are a fan of this show um, and and you've not seen it in a while it's worth going back and watching because it's a, it's a good episode and there's some really, really good stuff in it. Mm -hmm. I would say, I mean, just for, uh, Roy, for Sean Sullivan's performance, the entire flashback sequence. Um, yeah, which I I feel like the flashback sequence was needed because I don't know if any of the scenes really were very good at like really, tapping into Luke's trauma, like Luke's survivor guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the flashback was, uh, was a nice thing. Uh, it, it didn't quite get there, but I, as I was watching it, like it, it kind of reminded me of like early quantum leap episodes where we really, they really took the opportunity to tell other people's stories. Yes. Through quantum leap. And it didn't quite get there, but I, I feel like they were close. Yeah. I completely agree. I, I, I absolutely agree. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm kind of looking back on this season, and uh, man, 
I mean, this has got to be one of the better episodes of the season, without a doubt. I would, you know, ease. I I put it above Goodbye Nora Jean. I put it above Revenge. You know, uh, Return. I think it might be better than Return. Yeah, uh, definitely above Blood Moon, Doctor Ruth, Liberation, Tale of Two Sweeties. Yeah, I, I mean, I like Deliver Us from Evil. I like Starlight, Star Bright. Uh, I love mm. Nowhere to Run. Yeah. You know, um, but again, you know, I don't want anyone who, cause I, I think I got a little too wrapped up in it. I don't want anyone to mistake, you know, what I was saying earlier. I do. I really, really like this episode and it yeah. was really nice to watch. It was a really nice episode to watch. I would put up there in the top and no in particular order, nowhere to run, uh, uh, the trilogy episodes, starlight, star bright. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And I would put this just below them. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, yeah. And coming up as a preview next week, I want to really love Leap Between the States. The plot is just a little nonsensical. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's also obvious that they are shooting on a set inside the house, and they are just shooting outside some old abandoned home outside yeah Yeah. (laughs) uh but yeah i you know one episode that we didn't mention promised land i think promised land deserves to be up there i'd put it up there yeah yeah um but promised land almost cheats with bringing in the hometown aspect sure i i would agree with that i would absolutely agree with that uh, but but yeah, overall, I, I I think that there's some really great stuff here. And again, I'm like you. I would love to see the original script for it. I really would, you know. Because um, hey, maybe I would have egg on my face after I read it. Because maybe all the Bigfoot shit was in there to begin with. For all I know, no, maybe there was I more. Think so. <laughs> I, I, think I, I may have mentioned this on a previous episode uh, on one of the Jimmy episodes. Actually, uh, yeah, uh, a buddy of mine had John Diacchino as a acting instructor in college. Uh, and they actually yeah. stayed in touch for a little bit. And John Diacchino like even like did a favor and like was in one of his student films. Um, but yeah, that might be kind yeah. of a stretch to reach out and say, Hey, can you get a, <laughs> right. I know. Right. I mean, but hey, sure. it might be, might be worth it. It might be, maybe, you know, we talk about like what we do with this one. Maybe this is where we do the second iteration that some of the other quantum leap podcasts have done and like reach out to people and actually have conversations with, uh, with others. Fuck. Yeah. I don't know. We get, well, I don't think we'll get Scott Bakula. I don't think we'll get Deborah Pratt. Those would be, those would be big. Those are the big asks. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, yeah, it, it would be nice to read it because I agree. I think that yeah, I think that that stuff was definitely not his idea, especially given his comments, um, which are actually from the Quantum Leap podcast. Sure, uh, yeah, because he interviewed with them. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, and Quantum Quarterly issue twenty one, spring nineteen eighty five. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll take a look on eBay, see if any of these scripts are out there right now. Right. I, I saw a couple of weeks ago uh, uh, our friend Jean Pierre. He was selling um, a um, varsity letter style jacket uh, from the series, not like like worn on camera, but like like something like the cast and crew was supposed to wear. 
oh, like behind wow, the scenes. Okay. Uh, but he was selling it for like for like five hundred dollars. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. So yeah, I, right. It'd be, it'd be nice. Uh, so for what it's worth, um, we've got the Mind Reels dot com um in their rewatch that they did uh, a few years back um they said that they rather like this episode um it's just the goofy final moments of this one that make it cheesy uh the rest of it makes for a good leap story i i, I kind of agree with them uh our buddy over at the macgyver project uh what does uh, what does he have to say let's see here um Oh, yeah, he really liked this one, too, actually. A really well-written episode with interesting and complex characters. Plot moves along at a good clip. It has a nice ending. Uh, other than the Bigfoot shit, I completely agree with him. Um, <laughs> but, I, 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 you know, I, I like that the, he mentions the, the pace. I do think the episode is paced very well, too. Not a lot of downtime. There's, you know, it moves really, really well. Sure, yeah. Um, which, is, which is nice. Uh, one little piece of trivia that uh, he came up with that I, that I quite like is that this leap takes place exactly 10 years after All Americans. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, for for whatever that's worth. Um, he also was not a huge fan of, of Karen. Um, he, he's in shock, but his vital signs are good, she says, with the passion and urgency of a tin can. <laughs> Um, Fair enough. Over at uh, Al's place, the message boards uh, give this one a good rating. Uh, 40% of the votes put it there. Um, you know, there, there were uh, another 20% for average, 20% for fair, and about 10% for excellent. Um, make of that, I suppose, what you will. The comments uh, in the, on the message board do indeed focus on um, on Bigfoot, <laughs> but um, yeah, I you know it's interesting. It's I, I suppose the other thing that's difficult that makes the episode a little difficult to to really evaluate is knowing that it is in a in a sea of of gimmicky episodes. You know, really sure. our last kind of straightforward episode. Um, Leap Between the States, Memphis Melody, and Mirror Image are, are, are all that we have left. And, uh-huh. um, you know, Leap Between the States, obviously, we'll talk more about next time around, but there's a huge gimmick there. You know, they break one of the cardinal rules, apparently, of Quantum Leaping. Now, they have a nice explanation for it. I, I personally think it works. Oh, yeah. Um, I've, never, I've never minded the explanation that they give. Um, and then, of course, Memphis Melody, we get Elvis... Uh, which we'll talk a lot about. And then, of course, Mirror Image is our series finale, which, you know, I think that... Um, I don't want to call Mirror Image a gimmick episode because I definitely don't feel like it was a gimmick episode. I think, if anything, it's just one of those, you know, one of those big sort of myth arc episodes, basically, um, for a show that didn't really have myth arc episodes very often. Sure, yeah. Uh, and and um, I'm looking forward to rewatching it, actually. It's been a long time since I've seen it, and... Um, I have very vivid memories of when I watched it when it originally oh, aired. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So that'll be interesting to talk about. That'll be, yeah. Did you find a copy of the script yet? 
Uh, oh, there's, I mean, there's all Google kinds of searches. There's all kinds of different scripts, like anywhere ranging from like 10 bucks to a hundred bucks. Sure. Uh, none of which I'm going to buy at this time. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's my, yeah, those are my thoughts on, on this episode. This is a good episode. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know, if anything, shout out to Sean Sullivan for, for some excellent work. Um, you know, I thought that, um, uh, Pat Skipper has Luke. Um, he, you know, he has some really great moments, some other moments, eh, whatever, but, um, I, I do think he has some really nice moments. Um, underplayed. I, I, yes. Yeah. I, I love, and, and it's one of those things that, that leaves you wanting in a good way. Um, but I do love the, uh, the character building, the world building, um, we didn't mention this earlier. I love when, you know, they're looking through the photo albums because Sam and Luke are looking through the photo album at the same time. Yeah. You know, obviously in, mm-hmm. in separate locations, it's a really nice moment. It is. Yeah. Um, and it, and it tells the story and that's the other thing too. I love the economy of storytelling there. It, it gives us everything we need to know about these four guys. And, and it's great too, because all of a sudden we're, we're introduced to the fourth man mm-hmm. and we immediately know they're not around and then we get the flashback story, which tells us why they're not around, you know, and then we've got these other three guys that are left behind. Um, and we didn't really talk about it much, but the, you know, Luke's decision, the, the complicated nuance of the, if nuance can be complicated, the complicated nuance of the fact that Luke went in to this hut to clear it, came back out, and was like, there's just an old man in there. And that Roy was like, all right, or not Roy, excuse me, that um, John is like, okay, well, you know, go take care of it. I'm not going to do that. You know, I've killed enough people. I don't want to kill anybody else. So John's like, fine, I'll do it. You know, uh, well, not really. Actually, what happens is Luke tells him to go do it. You know, if you want to do it, go do it yourself sends him in there, the hot boat blows up and that's how John dies. Um, the one thing that I would say, and maybe, maybe there would have been room for this in the original script, who knows, is I almost feel like we don't get to see um, quite enough of Luke's um, conflict and, sure. and, 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 you know, tortured circumstances. It comes across well enough, yeah. but, um, but it's a you know again it's a nice ending you you know get some sense of, of of closure and healing for these these guys you know clearly there's going to be work to be done sure um, and the fact that Henry writes his book and um, I love that 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 Roy gets the job as a fire watcher for mm-hmm. the Park Service yeah that's so that's really beautiful actually yeah um, so everybody kind of turns out okay and you get the idea too that Daniel and and Luke are probably going to be able to be you know, a little, maybe a little stronger while also, you know, now Daniel has, has met his dad's other two friends and been Mm -hmm. able to, you know, form relationship with them. So again, there's a lot at play. And I, I think, unfortunately, like I said, I got lost in the Bigfoot weeds and I apologize for that because, because (laughs) I I, I hate, I hate to give short shrift to any of the things that I was just mentioning because they're, they're really quite wonderfully done in the episode. I, I would agree with that. Uh, I will say, as Al is reading off what happens to everybody at the end of the episode, I was anticipating, because we had it at a couple points by this point, I was waiting to hear, like, one of them turned 
into a bad ending. Mm, like right, we got right. the end of Promised Land. Like we got the end of Goodbye Norma yep. Jean. I was waiting for like the shoe to drop on one of them. But nope. Yeah. Oh, by the way, all of the actors in this episode, still alive. Yay. <laughs> I don't know for that. that uh, I don't know. We, 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 we may. I think we were going to stay successful in that. I think. Was, oh, no. We're going to no, get the mirror. Now we're going to get the mirror image. image. And, yeah. Yeah. But we'll get there. Yeah. Exactly. We'll get there. Yeah. Uh, speaking of other uh, time travel shows, have you dove into Timeless yet? No. You know what? Maybe I'll do that tonight, actually. It's a Friday night. I ain't got nothing to do. It's a Friday night. Dig in. We're, we're, right. uh, we just finished the first season the other night. Uh, okay. We're putting it on the back burner now because we are diving into uh, uh, The Haunting of Bly Manor. Mm, uh, mm. We, we watched the first one and a half episodes. You haven't seen uh, Hill House, have you? No, no okay. unfortunately not. They're not connected, so you can watch either one okay. in order. They they have very much like a, a very similar like aesthetic to them, but uh, yeah, yeah, uh, definitely definitely recommend them. But yeah, I, I'll have to. I, I've you know my my sort of spooky viewing thus far this season has been restricted to classics. I actually I watched um, Frankenstein, Boris Karloff. Sure. I watched uh, The Mummy. Um, you know, I've, I've I've watched a couple other things here or there, but I've not yet. Uh, I, I'm not. You know, that's the crazy thing. I'm not super up to date on my uh, my horror films, so um, or or television programs for that matter. But I did see the. Uh, I think I saw the like the Netflix trailer um, for that, and 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 was was suitably kind of. You know, I should check this out at some point. So, yeah, are you talking about di- diving into Halloween, the Halloween movies? Yeah. Oh, what a weird contorted mess you have yeah. to go through. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I just I, at this point, I just I I just feel like I really need to see the first one. Like I could care less about any of the others at this point. Like eventually, I'll get to them, but I I I, I consider it a deficiency. In myself as a film goer, but I have yet to see the first one. I mean, the first one was an independent movie shot for like $300,000. It really laid the groundwork for the genre. Yeah. Because it was the first of that kind of, you know, like the, you know, like the, the semi superhuman. No, no, no. The first one, he's not really superhuman. Uh, Right. But like, you know, just like the, the stalker, the killer, Um, just as part of your uh, film school medicine. You yeah. should, you should definitely watch, uh, definitely watch the first one. Uh, you you know who Christopher Lee is? Uh, oh yeah, Christopher Lee turned down the role of Doctor Loomis. Oh really? And Aww. somewhere he said that that was his biggest regret of his <sighs> career was turning that movie down. Man, he would have been awesome. I bet. Because I'm familiar enough to like Donald Pleasance. I know Donald Pleasance plays the plays the role, and and I'm sure that he's fine. But. Uh, yeah, man, man, maybe I'll watch that tonight. Maybe I'll get the timeless later. Um, <laughs> but it's funny because recently I've been um, this this Friday the Thirteenth box set came out uh, recently, and and I had pre-ordered it, um, which is weird because I, I, I I'm not it's it it's a strange thing sometimes to watch those films because I feel like people watch them for lots of different reasons, um, but. It, it, it's almost as though this is, it's now in a weird way, it's like a piece of cinema history. And so there's this part of me that wants to be able to like revisit, you know, certain films whenever. Uh, but 
in in the that seven hour long documentary I was mentioning a few episodes ago, uh, Crystal Lake Memories, um, they they mention that that Sean Cunningham, the producer and director of the first one, basically told his screenwriting buddy, let's let's make a Halloween ripoff. And, uh, you know, and much like you were talking about with, you know, in Halloween, it's not, you know, not really supernatural. He's not some sort of like crazy, you know, unstoppable monster. Um, it's just a guy in a mask. It's the same thing, you know, in the first Friday the 13th, it's, it's a woman, you know, out to avenge the death of her son in the, in the second film, you know, he like, there's certainly questions of like, I, we thought he was dead. We thought he had drowned, but, but he's not supernatural. Like, you know, at one point, Jenny, the final girl, like, you know, kicks him in the balls. And he like drops like a ton of bricks. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, he's clearly just a regular guy. It's not until later on in the series that, you know, it becomes a sort of supernatural element. The, the flip side of that, of course, is that then you have like Wes Craven with a nightmare on Elm street. And it's like immediately right away. It's supernatural. You know, it's oh, like, sure. this is the guy who lives in your dreams. Yeah. Um, it, it, the, the genre as a whole is fascinating, and the subgenres, of course, within it are are also you know quite fascinating. So it's it, um, yeah, it's like I, yeah, yeah, I'm fascinated with the whole Halloween franchise. The fact that um, when they were shooting Halloween two, they actually went back and shot additional scenes with Donald Pleasance to go back and insert into the TV version of Halloween. Uh, wow. One one to pad out time because. Uh, the movie was too short, like even like filling it up with commercials. The movie was yeah. too short to fill out a two hour window. And also they were setting up a uh, uh, kind of a plot twist in Halloween two. Oh man. But I found that it's, it, let me give you a brief history of Halloween, Halloween one, Halloween two, Halloween three has nothing to do with Halloween one and two. Right. Because their idea was they were just going to make a Halloween anthology series. Halloween three flopped. A few years later, they go back to Halloween 4. You have Halloween 4, 5, and 6. Ten-year break, hard reset. H2O comes back with Jamie Lee Curtis. They pretend like 4, 5, and 6 never happened. Sure. 1, 2, H2O. Yeah. Then Rob Zombie reboots the series. He has two right. movies. The second movie is so goddamn horrible. I feel like he was contractually obligated, and the, like the entire movie is just a big fuck you. The biggest, <laughs> the best part of Halloween Two, Rob Zombie's version, is Weird Al Yankovic, and I'm not even going to explain that. Then they take a longer break, and uh, two years ago they came out with uh, yes. uh, Halloween. Halloween wipes out. Everything but Halloween one, right? It even takes away Halloween two, and it takes such a big shit on the franchise because Halloween two has its problems. But to take it out of the canon, it totally destroys the mythology of the entire thing. Uh, Because to not give you huge spoilers, Halloween two takes place immediately where Halloween one takes off and it's the same night. Wait, what? Halloween one. Yeah. Which hopefully you'll watch tonight. Yeah. It takes place over, aside from like one early, like flashback sequence to 1963. It takes place over the course of a couple of days. Okay, okay. Halloween 2 picks up at the exact moment that Halloween 1 left off, and Halloween 2 is just what happens the rest of that night. Okay, wow. All right. And so the thing is, like, if you just take Mike Myers in Halloween 1, 
he's just he's just a guy who killed a couple of babysitters. Like, who cares? Like, there's a ton of those people. But what he right, does right, in right. Halloween two builds on the story of like, oh, this guy was crazy. Okay. Okay. So to totally wipe out Halloween two just takes a big dump on the whole franchise. All right. All right. Well, I, I you know, look, it, it is clearly, as, as someone who has seen all of the Friday the 13th movies and all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, the fact that I've not seen any of the Halloween movies uh, does seem to be a bit of a crime. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix that. I'm yeah. Gonna re- I'm going to rectify that. Enjoy the William Shatner mask, which I'm sure you, yeah. mu- you must know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as William Shatner gets older, he more and more looks like the Michael Myers yeah, right? mask. Oh man, Bill Shatner. Oh, Bell. Uh, yeah, I was thinking of him the other day because I was thinking of um, Boston Legal. Sure. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, a lot of a lot of conversation around the Supreme Court right now. Um, and it reminded me specifically. There's an episode in the final season of Boston Legal where Alan Shore. Uh, I think the, the name of the episode is even Alan Shore versus the Supreme Court or yeah. something like that. And uh-huh. uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a brilliant episode in his argument in front of the Supreme Court. He pretty much disregards, you know, everything about what, what brought him to the Supreme Court, the case that brought him there, because he knows he's going to lose. So instead yeah. of arguing his case, he argues against the Supreme Court, um, which is which is just beautifully done and unrealistic as hell. But still, it's beautiful. Um, but it actually it got it just got me thinking about the final season in general and about how. Uh, you know how kind of perfect and beautiful the series finale of that show is. Yeah. With the characters of Denny and Alan in particular, and of course William Shatner plays Denny Crane. Um, and and I just made it just it just for some reason it just made me envision the the idea of like you know the alternate reality William Shatner living out his days somewhere in Canada with his husband. <laughs> Denny Crane. Um, I feel like we've talked about this before. Did you ever watch the final season of The Practice? Where they introduced yes. Alan Shore. Okay, yeah. I sure did. Because yeah. I did that years after the fact, and oh god, like they totally <laughs> retconned Alan Shore's character or softened him up. Yeah, well, because it's interesting because the first season of Boston Legal, there's still you know there's still some kind of like carryover. Like mm-hmm. you get the you get this the strong sense that like you know it's like. Um, the character of Brad in particular kind of looks down sure. on Alan because Alan is clearly a crook and a you know crooked attorney and all this sort of stuff. But yeah, by the time the second season rolls around, they had absolutely softened a lot of that to, to make him more the sort of the crusading, you know, liberal hero icon that he became as opposed to this, you know, kind of crooked win-at-all-costs lawyer that he was in the final season of The Practice. Sure. I really, <clears throat> I really enjoyed the final season of The Practice when I went back. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I really like that version of Alan Shore. Yeah, I, well, he, he would not—he would not last on TV today. But, no, yeah. I don't even know if the Alan Shore that was in Boston Legal would last on TV. Today. Oh no, no! <laughs> A few months ago, Betsy and I like we watched uh, some of the first season of Boston Legal because she had never seen it, and like mm-hmm. just very frequently we made it like, whoa, nope, 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 that joke would not fly on TV today. Nope. Yeah, that. But then, but then there's his summations, you know, you get to the end of the episode and he gives his summation and you're just sort of like, I don't even care anymore. I just, uh, you, know? you, you can be lewd and, you know, be, be, be the lech that you are. It's fine. It's fine. Cause you said that and, and, and that is like balm for my soul right now. So <laughs> <laughs> please don't cancel us. We don't mean that. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, he's he's he is. Uh, it's an interesting character for sure, and and I think that um, who he is in the final season, of the practice compared to who he becomes in Boston Legal. You're right; it is it is a very different character. It's still, you know, to use the the word of the day, still problematic oh, uh, in many yes. ways by 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 our standards now. But uh, but very interesting. I think the thing that becomes more interesting too about the character is the fact that he does start to get called out more and more as, as the series goes on. You know, I think Candace Bergen's character in particular is very sure. good at calling him out. Shirley Schmidt, like she calls him out a number of times. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a good foil for both of those characters. And clearly having an actor like her play that role, I think was a calculated move probably on oh, David sure. Kelly's part to, to bring someone like her in to kind of balance them out a bit. Yeah, Absolutely. Anyway, this is a Quantum Leap podcast. <laughs> Thanks for sticking around these we, last 20 minutes. Yeah. We've just been rambling. We've just been rambling for a while. Thank you so much, uh, as usual, for, for hanging out with us. Uh, you know, we... Um, I, I imagine once we hit Mirror Image, we'll probably take a bit of a break. Um, you know, figure out exactly what we're going to do next. You know, here's, I, I just randomly had this thought today that I don't think yeah. it's occurred to me before. Throw this out there, and we'll throw this out there for anyone who just stuck through 20 minutes of us not talking about Quantum Leap. Right, right, right. Uh, but I'll throw this up on Facebook, too. Uh, like, not doing this for the entire series, but going back and, like, redoing some episodes and, like, actually doing, like, a live watch Sure. Like it's something like we, 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 you and me, like we actually watched the episode together and commented on it as we go. And if anybody wants to go back and watch that episode along with us and kind of like a commentary, but not the actual yeah. people produce the show, just some two schlubs sitting in their homes <laughs> in Albany Park, Chicago. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be, that would be fun. I would definitely be down for that. You know, it's, it's one of the, like, wh- Another thing that would be lovely, too, is reaching out to a couple of our old guests and, and seeing about the potential. Because I know, you know, we really wanted to have Chris Stewart back on just because Chris had been in a you know, number sure. of our episodes throughout the past couple of years. And, and unfortunately, just the technical capabilities and, and all that sort of stuff, he's not been able to join us and, and most likely won't be able to join us uh, before we finish. Um, but we would love to have him back on for an episode. So the opportunity to, you know, to maybe... Not not redo, you know. We're not we're not looking back and saying. Although there are a couple of episodes I do think I would like to go redo. But oh, sure. that yeah. said, not you know we're not we're not like replacing the old episodes at all. But just maybe you know offering a new way. A new one, yeah. Yeah, just a new a new version. Certainly keeping them shorter in this instance because we'd confine ourselves to the run you know run time of the episode, give or take a couple minutes. And um, you know, and of course, we still want to talk the novels and the comic books and. Um, you know, if, if we get a reboot, then obviously we'll have to kick it into high gear, but, uh, and I do think that, you know, after mirror image, we'll certainly do kind of, a uh, our, our, our post script episode, if you will. Oh, sure. Um, and, and talk about the series as a whole. And, um, so, you know, we've, we've got more episodes in us for sure, but I imagine after we, you know, we'll, we'll do three or four more and probably take a little bit of a, of a break. Not that that should be anything new for our longtime listeners, because we've taken quite a few breaks. <laughs> yes, yeah, but it, you know, it's you know, life is hard. We got a pandemic. Uh, I just started a new job, which I'm lucky to have a new job. Uh, but yeah, yeah, 
You know, uh, one thing, yeah, here's, here's a shout out. I, I, a very dear friend of mine who I've spoken about a couple of times before on the podcast, um, Chris Redman, and he lives out in Arizona. And as the pandemic has hit, and he, he'd listened to us a few times even before that, but uh, as the pandemic hit, uh, he was sort of, he, he'd started to kind of listen to us um, where we were at the time. And then he was like, I've got all this free time. So he basically went back and listened to every single episode. <laughs> so he's listened to every single episode, uh, in, in light of the pandemic. And he's offered just such lovely feedback, he, he, you know, over the past few weeks and, um, you know, about what he likes and, 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 and just how it's, it's enjoyable to listen to the conversation. So I'm grateful for that. I'm, you know, I hold his, his opinion pretty high esteem. He's, he's just, wickedly smart and extremely funny and, and creative guy. And, uh, again, someone that I would love to have on the podcast. Um, and, and hopefully that's something we can you know make happen at some point. But, um, because we are in these circumstances, I feel like it's a great opportunity for people to, you know, people have been binge watching show after show and, and, and been listening to podcasts and, and, you know, taking up that, that art project that they meant to get to or whatever the case may sure, be. And yeah. so, uh, you know, for anyone who's, who's been with us literally since the beginning, um, yeah, we know it's been, we know it's been a, a long road getting from there to here. <laughs> <laughs> and and that, that is how I tie it all together. <laughs> and on that note, listeners, thank you so much. We'll be back uh, hopefully sooner rather than later uh, for the lead between the states. That's right. We're going to get this done. We're going to get thank it you guys work. so much. Take care. Everyone take care in the meantime. Bye. I want to stay, I want to go